Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Traveling Image Makers podcast with your hosts, Ugo Che and Ralph Velasco. Hi, Ralph. How are you doing? Hey there, Ugo. I'm really well, thanks. How about yourself? I'm doing great. And uh, are you still in California or are you back home? Where are you these days? Actually, I'm back in uh, Chicago. Uh, I got back a couple days ago. I was out in California doing some speaking the travel and adventure shows and a couple photography groups that I get in front of. And I uh, also had a 10-year a reunion for my photo enrichment Southern California people, which I'm really, it's hard to believe that it's been 10 years full-time that I've been doing this. Yeah, well, it's, it's great to do those reunions, I, I guess. It's uh, seeing old friends because during those trips, then everybody or most people become friends, right? They really do. And uh, that's that's what touches my heart is that my my clients are more friends than clients. And they they see each other. And there was people that knew each other from trips, uh, you know, 10 years ago or even longer when I was doing it part time. And, you know, they it's like not a day has passed. It's it's really, really fun. I, I'm, it's, it's an idea I came up with a couple of years ago. And I can't believe I hadn't thought of it earlier, but uh, I'd recommend it if you can do that where you are. Right. So about our guest who is uh, joining us from Cambridge, England. Uh, his name is Matt Widgery, and we've known each other uh, since a few years ago. We are collaborating together with a website called uh, F-Stop Lounge, which right now it's, uh, I don't know what's was left of that but uh, it was uh, it was nice to to get to know each other so i thought why not uh, invite matt to this show because i know he has some interesting stories to tell so welcome matt thank you thanks so much ago and nice to meet you ralph very nice so, to meet you matt welcome thank you <laughs> so uh matt i was uh i would like before we we go into the interview for for you to introduce yourself uh, what's your background who is Matt Widgery? How did you get into photography? Who is Matt Widgery? It's an enormous question. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I've, I mean, I've been into photography all my life. My earliest memories probably as a child were uh, being four or five years old. My dad at the time had an Olympus OM-1 and he showed me how you could move these kind of amazing little mechanical dials and capture this little slice of time, this this part of your life that you could take and keep. And I thought that was fascinating and it sowed a seed. Um, that really uh, was, was a passion until uh, my sort of, you know, late teens, you know, early 20s. Uh, my life for various reasons started to kind of go off the rails a little bit at that point uh, and so I ended up actually being uh, an alcoholic for, for a number of years. I got you know sort of addicted to, to drinking and, and sort of substance abuse and things like that and it was only when I quit drinking eight years ago uh, that I started to rediscover not only who I was but a lot of my passions that I'd had in my life previously and it was through reconnecting with photography that I found what I really know now to be my true path in life, not only taking photos, but also 
I love the process of teaching and sharing what I've learned with other people. And that's really given me this direction in life that I never really had before. And it's really only thanks to photography that I'm kind of even still here. I'm pretty sure uh, I wouldn't have survived if I'd done another eight years of drinking. So I, I literally owe photography my life at this point. Can you explain maybe what were the steps that led you to the realization that photography could save your life? I mean, you were in a an alcoholic, I mean, it's not, it's not easy to, to get out of it. I cannot imagine how it is, but uh, did, did you go through steps or was it just a sudden decision? Okay, I'm going to quit drinking and pick up my camera instead of, uh, of the bottle. It was incremental, yeah. So uh, the, the, the thing that led me to, to quitting drinking was, was the catalyst for everything. Um, and that was almost by mistake. Um, I, I tried a few times in the past to quit and unsuccessfully. But I had a, it was like a stomach infection thing, like a stomach bug. And, and uh, it lasted for about three weeks. It was pretty bad. And, and during that time, I just found it really difficult to eat anything more than like a few sips of water, a little bit of kind of toast, that kind of stuff. And about two weeks into this, I realized that this was the longest I'd been without a drink, you know, for 10 years at that point. And it was like this chink in the arm. It was like this little, this little crack of light um, that, that I, when I, I realized that, that I could kind of like prize apart a little bit and it took about another week before I was kind of fully better again so that was at that point three weeks without having a drink and then it was just a day-by-day -day process and you try and take each day as it comes and and and, uh, and and not think too much about the sort of long term of it but just kind of take small steps and and after after a few months uh, the, the the first realization that kind of put me on my path was that Uh, it, it probably was about six months after I'd, I'd sort of made the decision to quit drinking. And I had, for the first time, almost as a, like an adult, I had this con uh, like a continuity of, of memory. I could remember what I did yesterday, last week, last month, the month before that. And that was kind of shocking to me because when you drink all the time, you're either drunk or you're hungover. And, and there's, I had a lot of memory blackouts and a lot of time where I just didn't really know who I was or where I was. or So it's very hard to kind of stitch together in, anything in terms of self-knowledge at that point. So when I realized that I kind of, there was this, this entity in there that, that, was, that was kind of myself, that was at the point when I realized I could build on that and actually try and A, figure out like who this person was and then figure out, well, what do you do with this information when you've got it? It's like, okay, I'm a person in there. But, but, but what does that mean and, and how do you take that forward? How do you then maximize what you do with, with yourself as an entity going forward? And it was the first time I tackled all those problems. I was 30 years old, kind of late to the party, I think. You know, most people kind of figure that stuff out a little earlier. But it was genuinely the first time I'd really thought about these questions. So it took, uh, it took another few years to get, to get into photography again. And, and it was a, a path that was, uh, you know, I, I got back into, uh, you know, finding jobs and I was working for a company doing their PR and marketing. And the, one of the things that they tasked me with doing because the budget was always fairly tight and they knew that I had a camera and like photography was to go out and do the photos. So it was, product photography for the website. I was shooting events, you know, corporate headshots for the website, that, that sort of stuff. And it was then that I sort of reconnected with, well, hang on a minute, this is what I really love. And it was really the only part of my job that I really loved uh, at that point. So I started to, uh, because I was working from home a couple of days a week, uh, I started to build up some clients on the side And uh, so long as I was able to deliver my PR job and marketing job and, you know, sort of deliver some sort of customers to the company at the end of the day, uh, I didn't get sacked. And so I was able to sort of build up the two things side by side. 
and eventually got to the point where I was doing okay with the photography and was able to do that full time and, and let go of the uh, of the PR job. So that was that was four years ago, and so that was when I went full time on my business, and it's it's been. It's since then a continual process of evolution throughout the kind of photography that I am and self-discovery and what I want in my life and finding my true purpose. But that was really the point where it became obvious to me that photography was going to be my future. So that's the, the sort of cut short version. <laughs> Matt, were you able to uh, do any or much photography while you were drinking or was that kind of just out of the picture entirely? It was not some. I was... In a, in, a, in a complete creative void during my drinking times. Um, I was high functioning in other places. And, and the reason it took me so long to figure out I had a problem was because I was holding down good jobs. I was making good money. I was working in advertising down in London. I was doing okay for myself. And so my kind of internal sort of um, monologue to myself was, well, I'm not sitting under a bridge drinking, you know, out of a brown bag. So I don't have a problem, right? You know, I'm, I'm in society. I have a job. Um, so on that level, I was functional. But, but as, a, as, a, as a creative person, I, I definitely wasn't. And I think a lot of that was because um, my drinking in, in large part became a crutch. It was something that I... I, I assessed every good quality that I had in terms of my intelligence, my charisma, how articulate I was. I associated all of those qualities with, the, with, with my drinking. So it's like if I have a drink, then I can be these things. And so it was a crutch for all that stuff. And, and, and so I, I, I focused on um, maximizing my job in, in, in sales and advertising uh, and, 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 and tried to use alcohol to make me as good as I could be at that world to the exclusion of all else, because I didn't really know who I was inside. And that was, that only came later, this realization that there was this kind of creative being in there that, that needed to get out, you know? And then how did you go from uh, commercial photography and PR work into travel photography and now leading workshops around the world? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that was really the sort of uh, the, the biggest pivot for me. Um, having discovered that actually what I really liked doing was taking pictures. I then got, uh, you know, I got pretty comfortable in, in what I was doing and I was shooting, yeah, commercial work and, and events and portraits and uh, like quite a lot of weddings as well. Um, and, and I enjoyed it to a certain extent. But what I really loved about photography and the, the people that, I, that inspired me as a photographer were, you know, the, the, the greats that kind of traveled the world and, and, tell, and told stories with their cameras and brought back these amazing images from the four corners of the earth. And I wanted to be one of those. I, I didn't want to be just a, a sort of, you know, a good jobbing local photographer that was, you know, picking up a lot of commercial work and wedding work and things like that. I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with, with, with that lifestyle whatsoever. And it's, it's, you know, it's a fantastic way to make a living. But for me personally, I just had that sense of adventure in me that I wanted to do. I wanted to travel the world and I wanted to go to more adventurous places. And I was lucky enough to, I was teaching a, a workshop on light painting in Cambridge. It was a, a, an event that the uh, local council here were putting on. And uh, one of the uh, students, I say students, uh, that, that came down was actually a, a lady called Chrissy Kusia, who runs a company called Chrissy's Grease. And uh, unbeknownst to me, she was there as a spy. And she was there to kind of scout me out because she was looking to add photography tours to her tours of people going out to, to Greece and, and they did you know wine tasting and hiking and painting and these other things and so she came along to one of my workshops just to see what I was like and if I you know knew which way up the camera went and all that sort of stuff if I you know could teach 
And um, obviously I did just about enough because she came and contacted me afterwards. And then we, we went for a coffee and she was showing me all these amazing places in Greece. And she said, would you like to go and lead a workshop out there and, and teach people uh, photography in Greece? And well, I mean, you can't say no to that, right? I mean, it's, it seemed like a fairly good idea. And that was uh, that was three years ago. And, and this is now, you know, it's it, it, it's become more and more of, of, of what I do to, to the point now this year, or well, about halfway through last year, in fact, where I decided that I would pivot entirely into travel photography and, and, and teaching and, and really not sort of carry on doing any of the, the, the commercial work or the weddings that I've been doing previously. So it's been a massive, massive change. Well, I can... I can imagine truly a massive change and also probably not, not easy from a financial point of view. I mean, uh, yes. yeah, you've got a, uh, an established commercial photography business. You probably had a local clientele. People were calling you to take their portraits to photograph events or products. And then all of a sudden you have to, to fill workshops and you cannot do a workshop every week in, in yeah, Greece exactly. or wherever. And well... I know Ralph here is very good at filling his tours or <laughs> worships, but most people struggle with that. So uh, I guess it's it's hard work to. Yeah, it is, mm. uh, and, and it's 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 obviously it's the riskiest thing when you start something new as well, because you know you are uh, sort of stepping back into the unknown again, uh, and it is hard. It's it's still hard. Um, and there are you know sort of many of the workshops that, that we still don't fill we put more on there than, than, than we actually fill up um, but you know we we've now got to the point where we're hiring sort of a, like an external marketing agency um, that helps a tremendous amount um, the social media reach is getting better and it, it, it's it, it's an improvement all the time but it, it, there is this transitional period for sure where it's extremely difficult and you just have to believe that it will pan out in the end and carry on doing it and plugging away at it and uh my advice to anybody that wants to do this is, is, is kind of do, do what we did, which was taper one thing into the other. So, um, you know, in, in the same way that I tapered doing the PR job into doing the, uh, the commercial photography, I then tapered the commercial photography into the workshops. And so you're not kind of like, you don't, you don't sort of sack everything off one day and then the next day expect that you're going to fill 10 places on a workshop and fly out somewhere because the reality is that that probably isn't going to happen unless you already have, you know, it's like a massive sort of, you know, brand and, and, and a massive presence that you can draw on as, as your initial audience. Um, so you, you need to uh, you need to be realistic about these things and, and expect the fact that it's going to take some time and be okay with that and have some resources put aside to tide you through and, and, and taper one thing into another. So whatever you're doing now, if you want to pivot into this, taper it in don't just sack it off because it seems like an exciting thing to do to travel across the world with people because it is but it's not easy to fill those spaces you know it's and it, it's a battle so yeah it's it's and it's stressful <laughs> it's stressful but you know you you have to kind of be okay with that take it on the shoulder and and, and just crack on because you know uh do or die go big or go home <laughs> Ralph, you're probably the most qualified person here to, to speak about this. <laughs> well, I, I don't uh, know about that, but... Oh, sorry, Ralph, yeah. Yeah, Ralph. Yeah, I mean, I'm not to the point where I just release a trip and all of a sudden it fills up magically. I mean, it still takes a lot of work. And like I said, I've been doing this for 10 years full time now, and I've got a pretty good sized list, but I, um, I hustle and I, you know, you got to be out there and be in front of people. And, um, it's, it's a lot of work as, uh, as you can imagine. Um, Matt, I was wondering, you know, you, it sounds like 
the dream scenario that this woman came seemingly out of nowhere and was scouting you out. How did she even hear about you in the first place? She you know? found my stuff uh, on online initially. I, I think I think she found me on Facebook originally. Um, so uh, she's very good at, at sort of piecing together uh, sort of you know teams of people that, that she wants to work with. So she's she's very proactive from that standpoint. I um, mean, it's how her business is built up. It's kind of like her, her sort of ability to sort of network through and, and, and find people is um, is absolutely brilliant. And it's helped our partnership tremendously as well because. You know, she's she's Athenian, so when we're out there, she has lots and lots of contacts there, and we're both from Cambridge, and so when we're here, we have this kind of ability to to find people, and that's really her forte. So um, I think she found me on Facebook, um, maybe through me posting some of the photos from something that I'd done, and then she found you know probably my website and bits and pieces. So um, I guess it speaks to the importance of doing all the social media and that kind of stuff, and just keeping your. I mean, like you're saying, Ralph, like you have to just be in front of people all the time. And because you never know, like who's going to be the person that will see that, that then is going to, you know, either want to work with you or um, come on a workshop or like be, be like be part of the puzzle somehow. So it's so, like the more people you can get in front of, the better. But you say that uh, she's from Cambridge, where you, which is where you're based. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, she's been here for the last eight years, I think. So she moved over from Athens about eight years ago. So gotcha. yeah. So Greece was uh, just an opportunity. I mean, you probably didn't have Greece on your radar. Until, Not even slow. <laughs> until Chrissy <laughs> came to you and said you want to, to go there. I'd never been before she came along and she was showing me all these cool places. And um, yeah, so that was amazing, you know. But, but now that you know the place, can you maybe tell uh, our audience what has Greece to offer to the traveling photographer? Oh, there's so much. I mean, the, the, the light is beautiful. Uh, the, it, there's a quality of the light there, which is just extraordinary. There are so, there's so much variety. And because it's such a small country, you can get pretty much anywhere like within a, within a day. Um, so some of my favorite places, they're not that well known on, on, on you know, the general scheme of things. There's a place in Western Greece called Misilogi, and it's got these lagoons in it with like flamingos and pelicans and things like that. And these traditional wooden um, like fishermen's houses like out on the lagoons that are built on stilts and these amazing wooden fishing boats. And the light there at sunrise and sunset is just just out of this world. And it's kind of like it, it's this kind of little one horse town in the middle of nowhere. And most tourists would not even see it on the map. Uh, but it's only I mean, you can get there. It's like an hour and a half drive from from Athens. Uh, you know, it's like you go straight down on the motorway. It's like it's a nice new modern road. Um, so it's easy to get to. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's, it, there's so much stuff there. Like the, the little islands and things are great. Again, I, I like to go to the places that are a bit more off the beaten track. Um, one of the ones we teach on is called Limnos which is sort of in the middle of the Aegean, kind of up in the northern bit. And it's kind of like this rugged, rural landscape that's like this time capsule. You have these villages there with a way of life that hasn't changed in hundreds of years. And it's like, we, we don't really get that in, in Northern Europe anymore. Like it, it, everything sort of becomes so modernized. And so to go back to these old ways of living is, is, is just such a spectacular thing to be a part of. And the stories that you can tell with your camera in these places are, 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 are so much more poignant because you're, you're in this sort of otherworldly location. So I love places like that. Uh, Meteora, that's probably one of the more famous uh, places that we go with the, uh, the, the they're like monasteries that are up on these kind of vertical uh, sort of 
vertiginous like mountain cliffs they built them centuries ago and the monks would literally climb up these vertical rock faces and build these monasteries by hand they featured in one of the james bond films a few years ago and they're absolutely spectacular and climbing up the top of the mountains and looking at those with the pink sunrise over them and these wonderful monasteries in the background i mean it's just such a treat uh, the, the, there's so much there's so much there and the people what about, so the, what about the food uh, do you incorporate the food into these trips yeah we do I mean a, a lot of what we do is uh, it, it's like a it's a sort of 360 degree kind of cultural package so photography is the heart of it um, but it, it's all about telling stories with your camera and so we're trying to cover all aspects of, of what it's like to be there our motto is travel like a local and so it's not only about sampling the food but it's about uh, visiting places where food is produced in a traditional manner and looking at the way that these things have been made for centuries. So we did a trip recently um, to uh, document the uh, the olive oil production. So you have these little olive oil plants where, and it's like everything from picking the olives to pressing them at the local presses uh, to, uh, you know, sort of burning the olive branches and you have these sort of, you know, wonderful, the smell of the olive branches burning in the valleys at sunset and all this kind of stuff. Um, we, there's a place uh, that we go to uh, in Hanya in uh, sort of like Western Crete, uh, which is like, a, it's, a, it's a, it's, they're a young couple, but they've, they've built a, a new traditional Greek bakery and they produce traditional kind of Greek kind of pastries and things like different sort of pitters uh, in, in the way that they've always been done. And they've become this kind of like new hub of the community. And it's like, it's so nice to see this kind of sort of new sort of entrepreneurial spirit uh, fused with traditional Greek values of like family and hard work and community. And so we go in there and we photograph that and we document it. And the cool thing about that is that it, it's not just about um, when our students come and, and, and get the, the idea to, to do something that's a little bit photojournalistic and get to learn those skills and how to tell the stories of these places. But it also has a, a positive effect on, on, on the businesses that we deal with because they then have really good photos that they can then use for their social media and their websites and, and, and the noise that we put out about them helps maybe get them some more customers. And so we try and do everything where it's like this reciprocal value for the people on the ground that are local businesses that are doing things the right way so that we can come in and, and develop really long lasting relationships and friendships with the people that, that are there. We get better photos, they get something out of it and everybody learns something about each other. So it's the 360 degree kind of cultural nature of what we do, which is so rewarding, like way beyond just taking the photos. Once again, uh, an interesting and unusual choice. I mean, you mentioned Mesolonghi which yeah. I guess not many people have heard of unless yeah. they have the, a little bit of uh, maybe school memories from because it's the place where Lord Byron went to die. That's <laughs> it. it was yeah. 1824 or something. I think, yeah, 1824 yeah. sounds about right, something yeah. like that. You can go and see his church down there on the lagoons. So, um, uh, yeah, Mesolonghi, you mentioned Hania and Limnos. These are not the typical places that one thinks of when somebody thinks about Greece, they might have yeah. an idea of Santorini or Mykonos, white yeah. houses on the cliff and blue roofs yeah. and, and so on, which probably have a larger appeal. So uh, do you find it difficult to explain to people that you are leading them to, to places in Greece that are a bit off the, the beaten path? 
It's a really good question. I mean, we, we do try and deliberately sort of go mainly off the beaten path, apart from Athens and, you know, the Saloniki and things. Uh, but broadly speaking, we want to stand out and do something that's different from what they can get every other place. And so when people think of Greece, it, it can go back one of two ways. So, you know, in, in terms of like what people are searching for, so SEO and stuff like that, obviously Santorini, Athens, you know, Mykonos, Rhodes, you know, they're the sort of places that are going to come up probably a little bit first, but they're also going to be super crowded. And so there are a ton of people that are doing photography at Santorini. Like everybody's got that shot of the white walls and the blue roofs and all that sort of stuff. And so what we're trying to do is, is, is set something out that's uh, that it's, it's in a slightly different location with a slightly different feel to it. We've got, uh, you know, sort of like it, it's, it's a more it's, it's an authentic Greek experience in places that are less touristy. And so uh, it's a little bit of a it's a little bit harder for the SEO, but we think the benefits to the customers of going somewhere, which is a genuinely unique experience, way outweigh whatever it is that makes it slightly tougher for us to sell. Um, and and the, like Ralph said earlier, and it's so true, like it's just about getting in front of as many people as you can and telling your story. And so if you if you have a good story to tell and you can get people excited by it, then they'll buy into it. And they don't really care if they go to Limnos or Santorini or anywhere. They just want to go somewhere and have a cool experience, take good photos, learn some good stuff and, and feel good about what they're doing and where they are. So um, so long as you can get in front of enough people and tell your story, um, then it, it doesn't make that much difference, I think. Matt, what are what are the accommodations like in these locations? Um, it depends where you go. We always do the best accommodation that's available in the area. So uh, when we're in Athens and Thessaloniki, we're in beautiful hotels. We've got all the amenities, and they're you know centrally located and very luxurious. When we're uh, out in the the wilds, it's you know it's whatever's possible. That means like <laughs> it, it'll always be clean. It'll always be fresh. The people will always be friendly. But, you know, you, you might not necessarily be getting your, you know, 56 ply Egyptian cotton sheets and your, you know, plasma TV on the wall. So it, it's always the best that's available. Um, and it just depends entirely on what trip you go to. So if you, if you want something that's a bit more luxurious, come to Athens, come to Thessaloniki. Um, if you're out in Missologi or something, it, there's just not so much out there. Right. But it's always going to be clean, friendly, family led businesses local businesses that feed back into the economy not that we don't do chains uh you know we don't do anything where the profits go over offshore um so you'll always have a good experience and we make sure that the breakfast and the coffee are spot on too what about chocolates <laughs> on the pillow well yeah it depends where you go in athens yes in missalogi <laughs> you, might, you might get an octopus i don't know my favorite i love octopus way more than chocolate believe it or not okay. yeah me <laughs> too not pillow, though. <laughs> yeah granted yeah i'll give you that <laughs> you also mentioned um patronizing the the local businesses and yeah this uh gives me the opportunity to ask maybe one more question about Greece. And that is, what is the economic and social situation there? Because I know they've been going through some really tough years and they're probably not out of it yet. But what's, mm -hmm. the, what's the general situation? What's the, what are the people feeling there? Well, we, we've been uh, we've been very uh, optimi uh, optimistic uh, about the, uh, the the way that, that Greece is, is going. There's, I mean, obviously since the 2008 crash, there's there's still you know the, the sort of scars of that run very deeply, and in many many sectors there's still problems. Athens as a as a as a as a, as a city sort of uh, entity actually turned a profit for the last two years straight. Um, but what we're seeing really interestingly is that there are this tremendous number of grassroots young entrepreneurial businesses that are sprouting up 
Uh, and they're the people like Epigis that I was talking about earlier. Um, there's a, a, a travel agency, which is a family-run business in uh, Missilogi called Discover Missilogi, uh, which is very much like this. Um, and, and there's many businesses that are coming up and it's like what we'd like to see. And it's, it's early days to see if it'll happen. But what we saw after the 2008 crash was a lot of the multinats, uh, they, they, they picked up sticks and they left because they weren't making any money there. And in their stead, we're, we're seeing this resurgence in the last couple of years of, of these young grassroots entrepreneurial businesses. And we'd like to see more of those take uh, take root and grow and, and endure. And uh, one of the sort of core things that we try and do is, is, is support those businesses wherever we can in, in the ways that we were talking about earlier. So we hope that's going to be the prognosis for the future. You know, Greece has always been tumultuous, you know, in, 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 in terms of its economy, in terms of its politics. And so who knows what's going to happen around the corner. But there are definitely reasons to be optimistic there. And especially among the young Greeks, the ones that are staying and making a go of it there, there's so much uh, enthusiasm that, that it's such a, a passionate place. You know, Greeks really love Greece and are passionate and want to see it work. So there are good news stories. Absolutely. It's not universal by any stretch. Um, and there are definitely problems there, but there are certainly good news stories. That's good to hear. Matt, uh, you know, obviously Greece is very near and dear to your heart. You're concentrating most, if not all of your trips there. Any other ones that are on your radar for expansion? Yeah, there are. That's definitely in, in, in the pipeline for the next couple of years. Um, so actually last year, I spent four months traveling around Europe um, to location scout for different places. Um, ended up doing 16 countries in four months um, and, and, you know, doing a lot of work there. So uh, there are certainly things in, in the pipeline. Um, probably not ready to, to announce exactly what those things are now, but they will be mainly European based. Um, although there's, uh, I'm, in the next couple of months, I'm going out to New Zealand and also Nepal um, because there are opportunities out there to um, to do some uh, recce missions for future contract, uh, you know, sort of um, workshops as well. So lots and lots going on. Uh, but for now, there's the, the the core of it really is to build up these Greek trips um, and uh, and really sort of expand that as as much as we can because we have such a good base there and such a good relationship with the people that we work with over there that it makes just such tremendous sense to really kind of go all in on those for the time being. And that keeps us definitely busy for the time being. Aside from business reasons, but for you personally, if you could leave tomorrow and money or time was no objection, where would you go to and why? Uh, it's, a good, it's a good question. Um, in terms of where would I go in the world? I mean, I, I've, I've been thinking about maybe moving to Athens in the next couple of years. Um, I love it there. It's, it's, it's probably my favorite city. It's just the right balance of sort of uh, kind of chaos and, um, and, and sort of good humored um, sort of uh, ramshackleness. Um, and I, I just find it delightful. Um, so that probably would be the place that I would, I would go uh, more than anywhere. Uh, yeah, I mean, sort of money, time, business aside, I, I think, you know, if, if my business shut down tomorrow and uh, suddenly everybody in the world decided that nobody was going to do any more photography workshops, I would probably still be doing what I'm doing. Just nobody would come with me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll just get my camera and be wandering around <laughs> taking pictures of stuff because I find it cool. So <laughs> That's a good way to <laughs> go about. That's great. I think... The test for anybody as to whether or not they're on their path and they're doing what they're supposed to do in life is would you still be doing it if you weren't getting paid to do it? Like if there were no other external pressures on you to be doing what you do, would you still do it? So I think it's, it's, it's and so for anybody that's listening to this that, that wants to know if 
you know, and it, it, you know, it might be photography, it might be painting, it might be snooker, it might be soccer, it might be whatever it is. But if you're doing this as a hobby or for work or whatever, if whatever they are, you are you only turning up to, to, to you know, the, the snooker club and, and practicing every night because you fancy the girl that works in the bar? Or would you be doing it even if she quit? You know, are you only doing, you know, the, 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 the soccer practice every Thursday in the snow because, you know, you, you want that kind of perfect beach body in the summer? Or would you be doing it even if you were all sort of flabby still? Like what are the external pressures on what you're doing and the other reasons? If you strip all of that stuff away, would you still be doing that thing? And that will tell you where your core is, where your intent is inside. And if you're on that path, then everything else will come to you because you, it will give you the tenacity and the patience and the resolve to get through when things are tough, to keep going when people tell you it can't be done or when the workshops aren't being booked or when it's rained off or when the flights are cancelled or you've dropped all your cameras in the sea or whatever it is. It'll keep you going. And so you need to have that like internal motor. So uh, I think it's a really good point. And, yeah, you know, if, you're, if you would still be doing this, if you weren't doing anything else, it's probably the thing you should be doing. <laughs> and I guess you can say you're very lucky to be doing exactly what you would do anyway and being paid to do it. <laughs> yeah, hugely. I mean, I, I'm completely blessed for that. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And that's like the that's one of the things that keeps me going as well, because uh, I know that the, the, the number of us that are in the position that we are, where we get to do our passion for, for a living is it's like a super low amount of the population of this planet. And so, um, yeah, you, you, I think it makes us all work doubly hard so that we don't throw that away because it's a gift. Yeah. And being able and, and, and appreciating and knowing that you're doing that, I think is extremely important too. Yeah. Massively being aware of that all the time. Yeah. Like don't, don't take it for granted at any point. Yeah, for because, sure, for sure. yeah. You know, what's the alternative? Like I don't think any of us want to go back to the day jobs, right? Exactly. <laughs> I still have one, but yeah. <laughs> well, I'm only working half days, but you know, 12 hours is enough. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll do, I think. <laughs> okay. So I really love your enthusiasm and uh, the, the passion that it's, uh, it's evident that you put in, in what you're doing. So I can only recommend that people uh, have a look at your website and uh, maybe join one of your upcoming tours uh, speaking of which what uh, what you have coming up any workshops or other speaking engagements or anything coming up soon yeah we do um so uh, the next one uh, is going to be on uh on march the 17th to the 20th that's the photography show at the national exhibition center in birmingham we're on stand g26 and i will be doing free photography travel uh workshops uh, mini workshops there every day at 11 p.m. and 3 p.m. Uh, so come down to the store, the stall, and see us. Um, and you can either just kind of like browse all the literature and look at the holidays and things like that, or if you want to learn something, you can come along at those times and and get some taster sessions of what we're doing. And um, then if you go to the sorry, website, sorry to interrupt you, but what's the name of the company so people who are coming to the to the event oh, yeah, know so, where to find you? Uh, we're there under my uh, my business partner's uh, uh, company, which is Chrissy's Grease. So have a look at chrissiesgrease.com, stand G26, come and find us there, and we will be doing those. Um, and then if you go to either chrissiesgrease.com or if you go to framedplanet.com, you will see the itinerary of all the workshops that are coming up, and you can have a look at those and see if there's any of those you want to come out, learn photography, get under the skin of the Greek culture, enjoy some sunshine and food, and have a jolly nice time. What about your uh, social media following? Where can people follow you online? 
Yeah, so I'm Framed Planet pretty much everywhere. So at Framed Planet on Instagram and on Facebook and uh, all those places. Great. Great. So I think that's pretty much sums up our conversation today, which I found very stimulating, making me want to, to follow my passions even more. <laughs> I know I know it can be done. You just need to believe it. Makes me want to get to Greece badly. Yeah, well, come out, guys. You're more than welcome. <laughs> That'd be wonderful. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for uh, being a guest, Matt. Uh, we'll make sure that we put links to all of these these places and uh, in the show notes. Uh, appreciate your coming coming out. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate you having me. You're welcome. Have a nice day. Okay, that was a really fun, uh, interesting conversation with a super nice guy. I really love Matt and his uh, attitude towards life. Uh, what do you say? Super guy, yeah. It's, I'm so glad that you got him on the show and very nice talking to him and it'd be fun to meet him in person someday. Uh, his trips to Greece sound amazing. Yeah, I'd love to go back to Greece. I've been there a few times. Yeah, I'm working on uh, doing some scouting in Greece, but I uh, had uh, kind of reached a little roadblock, so I don't think it's going to happen this year, maybe perhaps next year, but it's definitely high on my list. Uh, what about yourself? What do you what do you have coming up, Ugo? Any any workshops, speaking engagements, anything going on? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, not in the near future, but uh, just wanted to mention that I've got these two pre-sale offers for a couple of workshops that I have coming up next winter, and this is a bit special because what we are doing for our Venice Carnival workshop of uh, uh, February 2019. And my Oman tour of the of winter of 2018-19 uh, is that we have this uh, uh, pre-sale period where people can sign up, uh, leave a little deposit. We don't have yet the final dates and prices, but when when we do, uh, those people who have signed up early uh, will have the possibility of uh, confirming their uh, uh, booking and getting a hefty discount. Or say, okay, the dates don't work for me, or the price doesn't work for me, and their deposit will be refunded. But this is the only way that they get to uh, guarantee a seat on the tour and have a discount. There will be no other discounts uh, done. And this pre-sale period ends at the end of March. March 31st, we are done. There will be no more discounts. For Venice, we have already three seats have been booked. And this is going to be a very small um, workshop because it's going to be only six people. So half of those seats are gone. Uh, So if you want to to get in and said it's completely risk free, you can just uh, sign up. And then at the end, uh, the beginning of April, we will reveal all the details, including dates and prices. And you can decide uh, whether you want to take advantage of that. Or say, you know, I was just uh, kidding. I want my money back. Uh, we're fine. No questions asked. And you can find uh, all of this on my tours page at ucphoto.me slash tours. Just go there, find about Venice and Oman among my offerings and take advantage of this because it's not going to uh, repeat itself after March 31st. Sounds great. Uh, if I was going to Venice, I would want to go with you. And one of these days I will. <laughs> so I was reading on your Facebook stream that you were uh, planning to do a scouting trip to Georgia and Armenia. 
You want to That's tell right. more about that? Yeah, sure. I, I just uh, been working on uh, this uh, Armenia, Georgia scouting trip for probably three months now. And I just uh, had it finalized uh, as of yesterday, made my flights. And uh, we're just kind of uh, hammering out the exact itinerary for that. But that's this year, 2018 and September, October. And then the actual group trip will be next October, 2019. So really excited about that. And uh, also got a uh, trip to Copper Canyon coming up. We've got a few spots left on that. It's really starting to fill. Uh, India in November, Vietnam in December. And I've got a Cambodia trip that actually I'm not going to be leading, but it's my itinerary and I've trained the, the trip leader, uh, Patrick Monahan, who's uh, been on at least a dozen of my trips and has trained with me in Cambodia. Uh, but it's going to be the first trip uh, that we are organizing that will not be led by me. But if people are interested in going to Cambodia, uh, uh, and for all this information, just go to photoenrichment.com and look for tours, and we'll have all the information there. Plus, uh, I think I was telling you that I'm doing a little rehab of my website, so making some changes, hopefully all for the better, so people can check that out there. Yeah, Georgia and Armenia, I mean, speaking of off-the-beaten-path locations, these, are, these two places have been on my radar for a while, so maybe I'll make it there one day. Who knows? All right. Yeah, great. All right, so this was episode 119 of the Traveling Image Makers podcast. And as always, you will be able to find all the links and show notes and everything about our guest, Matt Widgery, at ttim.photo slash 119. And if you don't like to share uh, this episode and our website with, uh, with your friends and followers, we would very much appreciate that. Yep. Uh, be sure to put in a review on iTunes. That really helps us out. And uh, make sure that you follow us on all the social media outlets. And uh, let's get out and shoot. All right. See you next week. See you next week.